0: You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. It's sickening, really. Somehow they coached me into doing this. On the run out short oh. well. Comes out of nowhere and swipes it away against the window. I need to switch companies if Polly was employee of the year. There was a vote between his mother and father and it was a split <laughs> decision. And now they're having fun. You see, buddy, it up. Oh, okay, goodness. okay,
1: buddy. I saw him flip things on the ground. I said, "Yo, is that a zoom?" Zoom is right back the other
2: way. Dolajai in transition lays it in, gets the friendly roll. Gerard a three, got it. Fans might want to get used to seeing that. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Stephen Fonte, Paulie Sibiliu with you up until 2 o'clock on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Got a lot to get to on the show today. We've got Eric Devendorf set to join us at 1230. We've got Mike McAllister from Syracuse on SI to join us at 1 o'clock. Mike's been uh, following the bubble rather closely. And then uh, coming up at 130, we're going to break away from the basketball talk uh, to talk a little boxing uh, with Ed Brophy from the boxing hall of fame just down the road in canastota today is the 50 year anniversary of ali Frazier 1 uh, and we will get uh, ed brophy's thoughts on uh, what was called the fight of the century that's coming up later on in the show plus your phone calls welcome at any time 315-437-7644 how are you today
1: paulie good weekend uh yeah i'm doing good it was kind of a strange weekend for me i'm not used to not doing things so it was a, it was a good weekend i uh, Got my bumps and bruises all taken care of, and I'm ready for Bubble Watch, and ACC tournament. Uh, I'm getting my math head on, trying to figure out who's better than Syracuse, who's worse than Syracuse. Can you beat a team three times in a row? It's all crazy. It's a crazy world out there, Steve. A lot to get to, and we could go a,
2: a variety of directions here in the first segment. Um, in regards to the bubble, since you just mentioned it, you said you're you know, you're know, trying to do some math and who's in and who's out and so on and so forth. Uh, I will say this, by and large, and Mike McAllister can break it down team by team and matchup by matchup later, but by and large, the weekend went very well for Syracuse as it pertains to the bubble. Uh, Michigan State did beat Michigan yesterday. That's not so good. Um, you know for su and, and I think that m- most would agree that that locks up a spot for Michigan State uh you know knocking off the the number two ranked team in the country big win for the Spartans they now got uh three wins over over top 10 opponents throughout the season uh so huge win for the Spartans outside of that though for the most part um it, it was a good weekend uh for for the bubble watchers out there Paulie is uh Syracuse uh, inches closer and
1: closer to the uh to the field of 68. Yeah, now, now you got me going, Steve. You really think Michigan State's a lock?
2: Um, I think most people have men. in. I don't know if they're a lock, per se, but I think that that win yesterday does at, a lot to get them into well, the NCAA tournament. They, what are the, what yeah, are go the, ahead.
1: I got to figure out what the Big Ten standings are. Because they've got a terrible in-rec. Well, you know, in yeah, well, the
2: Big Ten's considered the best conference in the country this year.
1: Yeah, but, hold on two seconds. Uh I think there it is. I think they are nine and eleven in the Big Ten. You're gonna take a team yeah. two games under five hundred in the Big Ten. Two games see, this is where, under five hundred in a see, conference. You're,
2: you're you're yelling at me. Um I'm <laughs> I'm not the committee. I I don't have a say in the matter. I'm just saying uh, most people believe that Michigan State is in now with that win. At least from what I've seen. They've got five quad one victories. Big Ten's legit this year.
1: Yeah. But 9-11 and 11 in a conference, man. That's tough. Tough, to, tough. That's tough to accept.
2: I'm with you. And again, we can, we can get more into that. I don't want to get caught up in the bubble watch now. I just, by and large, the bubble watch went well. That game did not go well for Syracuse. By and large, it went well over the weekend. This is our first show, Paulie, since the ACC bracket was announced. Um, You know, you and I were talking towards the end of last week about, you know, it was looking like the 8 9 game. A lot of people said, well, maybe they can get the 7. It it ends up being the 8 9 game, uh, which is what we had said all along. And and they've got NC State. It came down to that Duke, North Carolina game. If Duke beat Carolina, it would have been the 8 9 game for Syracuse and Duke. Uh, Duke loses, and now they get NC State. And I know that there are. Um, you know, and, and it is is—it is a saying in sports. You know, it not just it's not just about this particular matchup. It is difficult to beat a team three times in one year. There are reasons for that. Um, I, I think you like the matchup better, though, with NC State than you do Duke, if, if we're all being honest. And Florida State lost over the weekend, which gave Virginia the top seed, and, and I think you like that matchup better for Syracuse than having to play Florida State. And that's, you know, that's just my opinion. I know that there's something to be said for not having played Florida State yet, um, they're really good, though. They're deep. They're talented. They're big. I think you match up better with Virginia than you do Florida State if you're Syracuse. So I, I think that, that that went well for the Orange as well. They got NC State in the first round. Well, the second round, technically, their first game. Second round on Wednesday, they will be the noon game. And then the winner gets Virginia the following day on Thursday at noon in the quarterfinals. I think things broke right for Syracuse, and, and now you know what you got to do.
1: What, what do you have to do, Steve? Do you have to win one? Do You have to win two, you know, you just got to go out and win, right? But you got
2: to win. You got to win. I I think you got to win both to feel good. I think if you win one, you still don't resolve the whole quad one situation. Um, You would end the year almost certainly unless Clemson goes on a run in the ACC tournament and and sneaks up there into the top 30. Um, You would end the the year with one quad one victory, that one quad one victory being NC State on the road. That's that's tough to get over. When when again you're comparing resumes, and everybody on the bubble has good things about their resume and bad things about their resume. Because if you know if they didn't have bad things, they wouldn't be on the bubble. They'd be in the tournament. So I get that. That would be hard to to get over though. Um, I think for Syracuse, you know, does one get them in? I think everything would have to break right for them to beat NC State, lose to Virginia. And, and get in. I mean, the bubble would have to go, you know, SU's way time and time again over the course of the next week or so. Um, if you win both, then I think I think to some degree you do resolve the, uh, the quad one situation. You would have just beaten the ACC regular season champ on a neutral site. You would be up to four wins away from the carrier dome. I think two wins and you're feeling good going into selection Sunday. I think one and you're you're majorly sweating it out and and in my opinion and again a lot of basketball between now and then but I I, I don't think one would be enough I think it, it gets you certainly in the conversation but you know other teams are gonna win you know and, and it's not like everybody's status quo from here on out I just I think that's that's awfully that's an awfully dangerous way to live Paulie if they win one and then lose
1: one they're gonna need uh, they're gonna need everything to break right in my opinion to get in they're gonna need everything to break right to Beat Virginia, let alone beat NC State a second time. So it'll be interesting to see. I think NC State is a very good matchup for Syracuse. I I think they can't guard Buddy. Their their bigs were negated basically by Syracuse. It's a it's a t, a, a team you won't see Jesse Edwards against if Coach Beheim sticks to his guns uh, on why and when he plays Jesse. So that'll disappoint some fans but uh I think it's a good matchup the Virginia matchup on the other hand not not something I'm looking forward to if they if they get past the first uh round all right so let's
2: let's start with that NC State game um and you said it's a good matchup I, I agree with you I think this is a good matchup I think there's a reason that Syracuse is 2 and0 against these guys um they are small they obviously don't have Devin Daniels which they got you know, for some reason you know we we thought we thought they were going to go in the tank after Devin Daniels was right. injured, and and that has not happened. Uh, in fact, they've climbed in the net rankings enough to make it a quad one win for Syracuse. But they still are small when it comes to you know their their size, and it, you know you pointed this out before we hit the air. They have nobody who who can guard Buddy um, from a from that size perspective. Um, so there are there are going to be mismatches on the floor when Syracuse plays NC State. Um, I would much prefer, and I know that you know there was a lot of debate about this over the weekend about who do you want to see if you're Syracuse. I think that the fact that Syracuse is two and zero against them means they're better than them. I think you want to play a team that you are better than, especially with this first game. Knowing you, pre- Duke is You know, obviously, if Duke had beaten North Carolina, they would you know have been rising in the in the you know net rankings and squarely on the bubble, and then it's basically an elimination game between you and that other team. Um, But I don't think you match up well against Duke. I do think you match up well against NC State. So I I think from a Syracuse perspective, I think this is what you wanted. You play a team you know you're better than. I know what they say, that it's tough to beat a team three times in one year, and it is. You're obviously familiar with one another. Um, There's that there's that danger to get complacent against that team or feel like, well, you know, we've already beat them twice. We're better than them. I don't think that's going to be an issue going into this this game on on Wednesday, Paulie, because it means so much for Syracuse, right? There's there's going to be no, oh, we're better than them. You know, we'll be fine. No looking past them to get to Virginia. I mean, every game is is survival right now for Syracuse. So I don't think you really have to worry about that, that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I'm actually doing some research right now, Steve. I'm texting a a very smart man to see how many times Syracuse has beaten a team three times in a season. I can only remember once or twice, maybe. Can you remember it? I know they did Providence the year they went to the Final Four in 87. That's like the only one that sticks in my head. My guess would be it's happened
2: a lot more than you think it's happened. I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, we can go seems through the, very the media. Difficult. Who do I'm I'm curious who you uh, who you texted? Just who you Mike think Waters, that they know it off of the top of their head? Mike oh, Waters. Waters, Waters not... going to know off the top of his head. I don't okay. know.
1: I don't know that if uh, they beat three pit three times in 2019. There, see, somebody's telling
2: me. I was going to say. It, I knew it just had happened. Um, my guess is it's happened more than you think.
1: Really. I I why do I have this yeah. thing? Do I am I buying into this myth that the fan base has gotten into my head? That uh, I don't know. I, I could it be doesn't wrong. Doesn't happen
2: because as soon as NC, the,
1: as soon as NC State yeah, popped up, that was all I saw all over the twits. It was.
2: It seems pretty well, there, common, Pauly. There is. Yeah, there is something to be said for that. Jordan, do you have you have some numbers on that? I just pulled out the media
1: guy. No ACC numbers, but I'm on a, a Noon's Magician article. Um it was done pretty recently. We beat Connecticut three times in a year in a 11, 12. We beat Georgetown three times in a year. It's something that happens. All right, I fell for yeah. I fell for the the pessimism of the uh the Twitterverse when everybody saw it. They're like, "No!" You can't beat three a team three times in a year, so I guess
2: now you have me going through the uh, the media guide. But yeah, I'm sure it's happened a bunch. Um, I mean, what do you th- what do you think? Are, are you, I'm, from a Syracuse perspective, I'm you very like happy the with this matchup. Yes, I'm,
1: I'm very happy with this matchup. It's going to give me a shot to play the my buddy song afterwards. So. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a big night from Buddy or afternoon from Buddy. I like it. It's just if they really need two wins this wasn't, you know, Virginia just is a terrible matchup. But but I I think they'll get past so Well, we haven't seen us play Florida State. Do you remember what Virginia did sure to I Syracuse? To it, do you you want to I see do. what Virginia I, did again? I, I do. You uh well you wanna see Hub dunk on Marek seven times? We, we saw hang on, we saw
2: Syracuse at Clemson not go well. Syracuse against Clemson in the dome did go well. We saw Syracuse against North Carolina. I mean, obviously that was a close game, but they lost that game. They came back and they beat them in the dome. What what's to say they can't they can't do the same thing? Lost to Virginia the first time, turned the tables the second time. I, I think they have a better chance of that happening, Paulie, than beating Florida State. I really do. Florida State just lost to Notre Dame. I know, I know, I know. You think Virginia's better than Florida State. We saw that matchup, what, a week and a half ago or whatever it was?
1: Florida State won by like 100. I, I don't know that. I'm just saying what I saw of the matchup between Syracuse and Virginia was nothing I would ask for a second serving of.
2: Well, you, Syracuse put themselves in this position. They were going to be in the 8-9 game. So they yeah. play a really, really good team in the in the second matchup. And, and, and in this case, it was either Virginia or Florida State. Um, I think they have a better shot at Virginia the second time than Florida State the first time. Um, we do have to take our first I got, time I got one more nugget for you, Steve.
1: 76-44. Yeah, Paulie. 44 teams in the history of the the NCAA tournament have made the tournament with a losing conference record out of the whole history of the thing, only forty-four times. But Michigan State does have a lot of quad ones, so we'll see how it goes. Five of them. Not I mean that that's yes. that's considerable. That jumps off the page at you. Um
2: all right, we can certainly get into that. I mean this topic's not going away. I'm sure we can talk about it on and off throughout the week. We do have to take our first time out. Eric Dievendorf set to join us at twelve thirty. We're back after this on ESPN radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Pauly back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines open for the next 10 minutes at 315 437 7644. Then we've got Eric Devendorf set to join us uh, coming up at 1230 30. The ACC announcing its uh, postseason awards today, Paulie. I don't know how much uh, you uh, you care about this or had a chance to look at it. Um, this was one of those years that I, I think any one of, certainly a handful of players, but I mean, you could even stretch it to six, seven, eight guys. You could make a case for ACC player of the year. I don't know. Did you have a strong
1: feeling about who should have won this award this, this season? No. Why am I drawing a blank on the – and the kid from Georgia Tech. Moses? More,
2: Moses, right. Yeah. He,
1: he won the award. Yeah, I thought he should have um, You did? Okay. Yeah. All right. So I voted for
2: Justin Champagny. And, and again, I think you can make a case for a you, lot of guys. What were you just going to say? You
1: undersold Moses, Wright, by the way, dominating Syracuse by when, when he did. He was great. 18 and 11, right? Yeah. Is that what he was? Yeah.
2: Yeah, he was fantastic. He's. I mean, he's a heck of a player. I, I think he's absolutely. I had him on my first team. I didn't think he was player of the year, um, but I understand why he won the award. If th- this is the part that bothers me to some degree about these these awards, not just with the ACC, but it's anywhere. It's whether we're talking a professional sport or we're talking about you know conference player of the year in a college sport. Does it have to go to one of the better teams in the league? Because I know Champagny in Pittsburgh, like they're not one of the better teams in the league, but you look at what he did. He was in the top 10 in the conference in nine different categories, nine different categories, Paulie. It's a team um, sport. And what he did, I understand, but this is an individual award. Yeah. So I, what, I, I what he I, did for that particular team, to me, it, it rose to the level of he was the player of the year in the conference. He finished second, tied for second in the voting. Uh, Moses Wright won the award. Um, and, and I'm fine with him winning. I mean, Moses Wright's a phenomenal player. I just if that's what kept Champagny from winning it, like if if the if your rebuttal to that is well, if Pitt, Pitt won a couple more games, then I would have given it to Champagny. But because you know because they they finished where they finished, you know it's going to Moses right. That I don't think is the right way to look at it, in my opinion. Well, Georgia Tech, what
1: fourth? You know, um, right. And Pittsburgh was twelfth. You know, the twelfth. Yeah, 12th I think I it get, kind of like plays I, into it. Okay. I I I mean it. It should, I think. Because if you play better and your team wins, you're, you know, you're more, you're doing more.
2: I, I would argue, though, that, that Champagne had certainly less to work with than Moses Wright. Okay. Moses Wright had a much better supporting cast. I mean, Elvarado was, you know, voted Defensive Player of the Year, and, you know, they've got the backcourt of Elvarado and DeVoe, and, I mean, they, they, they have a legitimately, I mean, that that's, Part of the reason they finished fourth in the conference. Yes, of course it was Moses Wright, but they, they've got a they've got a pretty darn good team there, uh, down in Atlanta. Whereas, you know, Pittsburgh, Champagny missed some time, then came back, then they were good for a little bit, and then they, you know, had the departures with Audis, Tony and Xavier Johnson both leaving the program and then, you know, they they went in the tank at the end of the year and they finished as the twelfth seed, But from an individual perspective, I think I think he did the most individually to win the award. But you could make a case for Matthew Hurt. You could make a case for Carly Jones. Um, I mean, it, you know, Elvarado was certainly in the mix. Some people like Jay Huff. I, I, I just I thought Champagne had the best individual year of anyone in the conference. But, uh, again, finished uh, second in the voting. We should point out uh, Quincy Garrier, third team selection. Alan Griffin was uh, honorable mention. Um, in the voting. Let's go to the phone lines at 315 437 7644. Scooter in Jamesville kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Scooter. Gentlemen, how you guys
0: doing today? Good. Good uh, a hand idea. Now I don't know how you get credentials for the Zoom calls, but I thought maybe if table happen had uh, press credentials. Maybe you have Pat from Syracuse represent the table happen. Just seeing Coach Beheim's face, kind of just his eyes roll in the back of his head when he's when he's being announced on the Zoom calls. What do you think? I'll <laughs> <laughs> that, get a reaction. I think it'd be worth price of admission. I think. Uh, you That's know, funny. It, it, you know, you know, it's interesting. You guys are talking about the bubble, and I, I'm, I'm serious about it. I think I think 100 teams should be on the bubble because it depends what day of the week you see them play. I mean, Michigan somehow shoots the lights out pretty good against a good Michigan team, but then they get buried by Iowa and you get buried by Rutgers, and you can, you can, you can make that – Probably for about a hundred teams like that, Clemson's a, cl- a prime example. I think Clemson's more of a hot team shooting than actually a good shooting team. And you saw what happened when they played them originally. And then they go play Syracuse in the dome and they can't hit a brick. North Carolina can't shoot from outside against against Syracuse, and all of a sudden against uh, against Duke, they're they're lighting them up, and Duke can't light it up against North Carolina. So to me, I got you know I think there's a hundred teams. It just depends what day of the week you see these teams play. Yeah,
2: there's been a lot of inconsistency this year, Scooter. No doubt about it. And uh, I think it's going to be, you know, as difficult as ever, uh, Paulie, for the committee to to make some of these decisions because how do they compare a team from the ACC versus a team in the Big Ten or a team in the ACC versus a team that's in a non Power Five conference for that matter? We didn't see a lot of, you know, marquee non conference matchups this year. You know, Power Five against Power Five. Or power five against a you know a, a mid major early in the season maybe, but not to the same degree as we normally do. So it's going to be interesting to see how the how the committee handles uh, handles the teams on the bubble this year. They they are going to be as difficult to compare, I think, as ever before.
1: I uh, the more I look at it, I am starting to agree with the coaches who at the beginning of the year said they should expand it this year. Um, they definitely should have even just put one more week of it in, you know. Get a you know a, couple, a hundred some odd teams in, you know I'm not going with uh, Patino's. Let's put everybody in, but uh, they definitely should have uh, expanded it this year. But I guess if they expanded it, the people on the bubble of the expansion would be arguing the same thing. I don't know how. you're well, gonna- right, you're always right.
2: You're always going to have, and we talk about that with the college football playoff, right? That if you go from four to six to eight, you know, inevitably, you know, team nine and ten is going to be like, you know, how could we not? be it included. So there's always going to be those, those teams on the bubble that are upset. Um, if you're suggesting that they, that they double the size of the field so that there's one extra game for everybody uh, you'd be talking about, if it was a field of 64 rather than 68, you wouldn't have to have the first four anymore. So if it's a field of 64, you'd be up to 128 teams. Um, the problem with that, Paulie, is like, just go by the net rankings. And I know the net rankings isn't everything, but let's just go to number you know, let's go in that that area. You've got teams that are, you know, well below 500. Um, you know, Butler, for instance, nine and fourteen. Um, you've got. Uh, let's see who else is there. Pepperdine. You go to the West Coast Conference at ten and eleven. Um, you could also put the you know, one bid Arizona state at 10
1: Yeah, go ahead. You could put the one bid leagues like if you they didn't win give their tournament. Yeah, give them a second.
2: Oh, like the like the NIT. Like it, right, if the if the yeah. regular season champ doesn't win the conference tournament, include them like the NIT yeah. does. I, I'm fine with that. I just if you if you truly did multiply it though out to 128 teams, some really really bad teams would be making the NCAA tournament. So I don't know if that's necessarily the answer. I understand your point that you know these teams were were robbed to some degree of the preseason and the non-conference schedule. And so, you know, throw them in and see what they can do. Um, and I understand Scooter's point as well, that it's, you know, this year, you know, everybody belongs on the bubble, right, to, you know, to some degree. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you've got the, the marquee teams like the, you know, the Baylors and the Gonzagas. But I understand his point that once you, you know, is there a huge difference between a six seed and an 11 seed this year? Probably not. You know, we didn't see a full season. You know, teams didn't play seven, eight, nine games that we would normally see them play. I mean, in Colgate's um, situation, I mean, what's Colgate up to 14 games played right now? You know, they're allowed 31 in a normal year. They haven't even played half a season yet. Um, so, it, I mean, it's, I, I don't envy the position of the committee, Paulie. It's going to be very difficult to decipher these teams on the bubble. You mentioned, you know, Utah State. How do you compare Syracuse to Utah State? You know it's difficult in any year. It's 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 even more difficult
1: this year. Seventeen and seven in the Mountain West. Steve, five and three on the road. Two. In, they've got one more quad one win than Syracuse. They're two and four in quad one. One and one in quad two. Six and two in quad three. And eight and zero in quad four. But they got two quad three losses. And they have eight wins away
2: from home, three to neutral site, five on the road. So. Again, on face value, but again, their their strength of schedule is not nearly what SU's is. So you got to take that into account. You know how much will that be factored in? I I do think Syracuse really needs this second quad one win. I really think they need a second one. Whether that becomes Clemson or you know Virginia, you know obviously they're playing Virginia head to head, and they could do something about that. They can't do anything about the Clemson game. You know they just need to cross their fingers, and you know fortunately for them, you know, they they can you know sit back and and hopefully watch Clemson win a couple of games. I mean, it is possible they could meet them in the semifinals, but they're not going to meet, you know, they wouldn't play Clemson before the semifinals if they were to advance. Um, so there's nothing they could do about that. They just need to go out and and they need to, they need to win games. And I, I really do think that they need that extra quad one.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that infuriates me about things like the Utah State, Utah State has eight quad four games. Eight. Yeah, that's where the strength of schedule comes in, yeah. That's because of their their terrible conference. If Utah right. State I was know. in the ACC, we would not even be talking about them on the bubble. Understood. Thank you. I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: But it is what it is, right? Um, this is... It, and that, that, that's why it's hard to compare a Utah State to a Syracuse. You know? I mean, they, they go by these metrics. They've got the two quad ones. They do legitimately have m- many more wins away from home. Um, but you're talking about playing lesser competition. So how much does that factor in? We do have to take a timeout. We've got Eric Devendorf set to join us on the other side. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.